really Welcome to Superstitious and Cowardly, a Batman podcast for the Warden us all. I'm security guard turned legionnaire John Pfeiffer, and with me is Chris Winia, the man of two words. Hello, you. Due to losing to a woman, Ryan's been replaced by Richard Pryor. I, I am being informed that Richard Pryor is dead. What? Two of the five. Oh boy. Anyway, we normally talk about Batman, but we've come together to have another character cavalcade. We've sidestepped to some of Batman's Silver Age super friends. In this episode, we'll be talking about Barry Allen's first appearance in Showcase number 4, The Legion of Superheroes, and in a separate adventure, Aquaman from Adventure Comics number 247. And to finish up the episode, we'll be talking about sci-fi adventures with Adam Strange in Showcase number 17. What does sci-fi mean? Science fiction? I believe that you'll find it. It's speculative fiction. Is it really? No. It's the 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 term has changed to that though. Is it spelled uh C Y F or is it like what's the sci fi spelling? It's C Y F F Y and F-Y- before it gets canceled. F Y Y or whatever. Yeah. I kinda wanna see the magicians. <laughs> Alright, so um I don't know what to do because I'm not in charge today. So I guess what are we doing you, next? You wanted to be in charge for. I mean, you've been the front runner, introductory person for at least since like episode like four, and now it's my turn again, and I don't know what to do. Everyone says like it's like riding a bike. Well, I don't think I can ride a bike anymore. Also, it's kind of related to the story about John. I wrote him a script, and uh, halfway through, he's like, oh, "I don't feel comfortable doing this." So, um, it sounded like you. Well, yeah, it's like if you like if you like put your hand up my rectum and like you just use me as a puppet. I was gonna um, revise it so that there was a bit because when we talk about like the Flash getting replaced by Wally, I was gonna be. Like, I meant um, the Flash replacing Jay. I was gonna say, you know, this is something that comics still do, like in the '90s when we had a bunch of awful replacements like Wally and that shit Kyle Rayner. Don't you ever say that? For the love of God, cherish it. Let's move on to the episode proper. This is showcase number four, featuring the Flash and mystery of the human thunderbolt. Flash facts. Showcase number four is the first appearance of Barry Allen. But what about the original? The Flash originally debuted in Flash Comics number one in 1940. And for some reason, Jake Garrick was a college student. I've always pictured him as a very old man. Jay gained his power from hard water vapors, which is the stupidest way that you can gain your powers. Most people call it ice. And while the Flash comics were canceled in 1949, he still appeared in Justice Society, which stopped in 1951. So he had about five years before our Barry Allen Flash from the modern age shows up in showcase number four. So we have no more Hermes helmet, and our hero looks like like he's now wearing nothing at all. That suit's a little revealing, isn't it? Well, it allows for maximum mobility. The Flash basically introduces the idea of the multiverse because the Flash is one of those first characters that is revamped and reconned. And later on when Barry Allen meets Jay Garrick, that's when they introduce this concept of the DC multiverse, which is the best and worst thing to happen to DC all at the same time. Yeah, probably, because they always feel that they need to fix everything through erasing and switching this and that. Well, it's, it's your way of, like, if you don't like something or if something doesn't quite fit perfectly, you can just be like, oh, that's a that's from another multiverse. It's another story. That's fine. It doesn't really affect things too much. 
when really as long as you take the idea of it, you know, being a comic book, you you should just kind of relax and take it easy. But instead, they use the multiverse idea, which then makes things more and more confusing as you go. Uh, we'll get into a little bit, but it also messes with characters like Supergirl a lot, and it messes with Green Lantern stuff, and it messes with the idea of Superboy and Superboy Prime. And then, like, things like Flashpoint, which I super, super do not like Flashpoint. Like, plenty of people like it, but the problem with Flashpoint is it introduces New 52, which I can take or leave well over half of that stuff. And what New 52 does is it takes Booster Gold and it basically gets rid of them. And it does the same thing with a few other characters where they just they don't really exist or they change them so much, like Martian Manhunter. So there's some good that came out of it when they got rid of Booster Gold. Ouch. That hurt me so bad. I actually stopped reading entirely at New Fifty Two. That's my cutoff. That point. was, a, I think, that was a cutoff point for a lot of people. Uh, Rebirth, though, like that's the time to. For I think a lot of people think of that as the time to get back into it, and not everyone, but a good amount of people. So, am I to understand that Rebirth is tied into Watchmen? There's a whole Doomsday Clock thing, and they it, it initially starts off with like a button thing. I think that starts off like in they had a single one shot thing called Rebirth and then they had individual lines that, that was part of the event and the buttons in that. And then later on, they have a Flash and Batman. They cross over for about two issues from each of their runs and they call it like the button storyline. And then there's this whole thing with Superman later on where somehow his dad survived and he's trying to combat this person from another world. I think they're implying Dr. Manhattan. They've really been trying to build up this whole thing. And they've done a good job leading up to this event without making it and putting references in each book, but not making it such a big focus of the book that's taking forever to get there that you're getting impatient. They've really done a good job pacing it. The problem with that is Doomsday Clock was supposed to be once a month and it was supposed to finish in a year. And now I think because of art taking so long, it's going to take like 18 months to two years. And everyone's already kind of getting tired of it from what I've been reading on like comments and online. Like they've been really looking forward to this event and now it's just not happening. Some people think it's going to bastardize it. You know, Alan Moore's like just probably like not very happy with it and kind of ticked and he won't read it. And then two years later, he'll say something that implies that he read it. The thing that I always like about Alan Moore is that he makes this big deal. It's like, Oh, you're taking my characters and you're making some stupid event out of them. It's like, that was your whole thing in DC in the eighties though. That, and that makes sense as to have that be like his counter argument to his statements. Except for Watchmen, it's supposed to be like this anti thing and the bringing in the normal DC universe continuity thing. I, I don't know. I, I think that I like Watchmen so does far. not need a sequel. I don't think so either. I like it so far. I'm, I'm willing Or to, prequels for that matter. I never read those either. I heard the prequels terrible. I'm willing to give it a shot, but to me, this is kind of like reading The Dark Knight kind of. So you're trying to say stuff. that we should get like some type of all star Batman and Robin out there. that was never finished it seems to me it's one of those things that i could take her to leave it it's so far from the main continuity and it may be good and people seem to love it but they just keep tacking on more and more stuff to it that i'm good i'm just not big a fan of it so in answer to my question my original question yes faster than the naked eye the barry allen the flash Something that I don't remember. The Flash, he can really move. The Flash, he's got an attitude. The Flash, he's the fastest thing alive. I did not expect that. Uh, This is showcase number four, Mystery of the Human Thunderbolt from September 1956. I really like that cover. There's not a lot of color variations in it. It's nice. It's, It's trying to use a roll of film to show 
how fast this new Flash is until he busts out of the end of the roll of film. It's a cover that's been done a number of times, and I don't know why, but that approved by the Comics Code Authority sticker is like 50% bigger than it normally is in most of these issues. Like, they want to tell you, like, hey, we really endorse the Flash, or uh, we've really made sure that we killed anything interesting in the story. Speaking of busting out, look at how tight that super suit is. Skin tight. The first page is this big splash image of the Flash busting out of Flash comics. And they're trying to be a little meta. And I didn't realize this. Like, the panels that are behind him are actual panels or redone panels that you're going to see in the rest of the issue, which I thought was kind of nice. And it's also very breaking the fourth wall. And it does a good job of stating that the Flash has just appeared, that he's the fastest man alive. And then it goes into a little bit of what's going to happen issue. That he's going to face off against the turtle, the slowest man alive, which is such bullshit. So we start off with some guys looking at radar and noticing that there's a UFO that is on the ground. That's new. That they can detect that. And one guy's like, ah, oh, it looks like I picked a bad day to quit drinking, huh? And he takes a swig and then he throws it in the trash. I don't know. It's just this guy at a radar station while he's talking to his boss that looks like a weird vincent price and yeah like they have this radar on the ground from far away it's not like a cop radar gun it's like aerial radar is what they're implying it's very much like that it shouldn't work like that no it shouldn't and it breaks off from that paneling that shows how fast the flash is before it really comes into existence and it shows that there's a storm and that barry allen that wholesome motherfucker drinking a little pint of milk yeah he's a nerd and he's reading Flash comics, which I like that that was a nod. Like This is, implies multiverse already, but in this universe, Earth-1, I don't know how they get dibs on Earth-1, by the way. Earth-1 uh, sees Earth-2 as this fictional comic know, book It just kind of looks like an Earth-2. What can I say? It's kind of looks look like a like B Earth universe. Two. And then you see Barry Allen actually reading the comic. Like It pans out because it shows the comic. It's like zoomed in on the comic book. And it pans out to Barry reading The Flash and thinking about how cool it would be to be the fastest man on Earth. Bit of and a forehead on him, too. I was going to say, this man, it's not a forehead. It is a five head. Like This is why they make 10-gallon hats, so it makes his head look smaller. He is wearing, he is well-hatted in the next scene. So while he's doing an experiment, he looks at one single Ikea Did you book- just say, while he's? <laughs> Because, unbeknownst to him, the Flash and Wally are running by and hit the chemicals. Oh, no. That's it. I forgot that was a That's a, a thing. legit recut. Let's get to blend into what I was talking about. So, while he's at his crime lab, because Barry Allen's a crime scene analyst and he's performing experiments. Well, in the he's lab a scientist, is all they say in this. Yeah, they, they, make it much, they make it a little more vague. And he's looking at his one single IKEA bookshelf full of chemicals. And it's like, this one bookshelf is all the chemicals you need to perform any experiment. There's way more than that. Also, if you had all those chemicals, why are they all together? And, like, none of them have tops to them. None of them are secured in any way, shape, or form. Like, you should either die from fumes. There should be some explosion. I don't know how he doesn't, like, he should be, as far as we know, he's not fertile at all. Like, I don't think he's going to have any kids in the future. Yeah, he does. Does he? Yeah. How does he do that? It's stupid. I think there's the tornado twins. So in this version of his origin, all we'll see is that lightning hits the crime lab, hits him and the chemicals, but only select chemicals, and that ends up giving him his speed. And he doesn't really figure out what it is until later. And you know more about it than I do, and you just said it that Wally and Barry ran by and made the Flash the Flash. I don't remember exactly what happened, but basically if anybody comes a speedster, uh, John's later reconned it into, oh, Barry did it. They do something weird with like the Speed Force storm stuff, 
in the rebirth run that's going on now. And sometimes I like it, and other times I'm like, well, you don't need like 15,000 more speedsters than normal. It's like some weird power drain on Barry just a little bit. Mark Wade would disagree with you. That was his whole run was basically just getting a bunch of speedster buddies in for the Flash. Oh boy, <laughs> um, the Flash. Max is one, Mercury is great though. Flash, Flash is one of the characters for DC, like one of the main like Justice League guys that I am weaker on than others. I probably know more about uh, Arthur Curry at this point, really. The delicious dish. <laughs> but he gets hit by. Do you think if there was an Arthur Curry, it would be um, some type of a uh... Indian food? Indian like Indian seafood. Indian seafood. I like that. Ah, you got me yeah. there. But after Barry recovers from getting hit by fucking lightning and doused chemicals, <laughs> just fine. he just like walks it off and just heads out the door. No one comes to see him. He doesn't go to the hospital. He doesn't take like some chemical decontaminant shower or anything like that. He doesn't even like wash his eyes out like with a rinse or anything. Like he's just like, I'm cool. I'm just covering like battery ass and a bunch of other chemicals. I don't know what they do, but I'm just gonna go out and uh head on home. I'm tired. You also have cancer now, but sure, whatever. Apparently his dick don't work no either. It's Olympus stick alive. I'm I'm gonna <laughs> hate it if like somebody like writes in is like uh yeah the tornado twins aren't Barry's kids. They're his Something or other. I always thought those were his kids, though. Because I thought Impulse was his grandson. Impulse is supposed to be his grandson, or, or some like, well, the equivalent. It's like grand, 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 grand. No, because he traveled back into the future. Oh my God, the Flash is so confusing. Oh, I forgot. DC in general, when they introduce the multiverse stuff, it's supposed to simplify things. It ends up really putting a wrench into like anybody's head cannon. So for me, when I first tried to start getting into this, it was like, I, I, I just like, oh, just calm down. I'll just read the Wikipedia page. You'll be fine. I'll I do like how um, we had, uh, you, you mentioned that there was like a scene with Green Lantern I mentioned on the uh, Green Arrow in Heaven and that Barry was there. And yeah. you said, I wonder how they're going to explain that. And um, in my head, I was like, <clears throat> I mocked you for that. But at the same time, I was like, you know, he really should be in the Speed Force. That's where he's supposed to absorb to. <sighs> like the Flash doesn't make any sense. Basically, like... Basically, what came first, the chicken or the egg, except it's what came first, the Speed Force or Barry half the time, and it's technically, the Speed Force exists because of Barry. Was this before Barry went in the future and then came back and died in the crisis? Like, while he was visited by Barry three times and at the end of John's run, he's like, I'm going to save you three times. It's like, oh no, Barry. Half the time they explain that as that's how someone was able to wrap their head around it, is what they perceive versus reality. And they do that with Animal Man. We'll talk about that. It's so something else. But either way. You heard it here first, people. Somebody's actually going to talk about Animal Man. Barry gets out of the crime lab, still dusting chemicals, and he's going to catch a taxi. Like, I, w- I want to head home. So he starts running faster and faster, and all of a sudden he realizes that he's outrun the taxi. And all he can think of, because he can't believe this extraordinary circumstance that he's gone through, is that the taxi must have stopped and he must have just tripped a lot. It's it's very kind of vague. And all of a sudden he sees that he's outside a diner outside town and he just thinks that, okay, my mind's just wandered. I've come to this diner. I'm gonna take it easy. I, I need a I need a minute to kind of collect myself. So he goes to the diner and he orders um a piece of pie, three hot dogs without any buns, seven French fries and some peas and some coffee and soup. That can't and the be waitress just him, can it? <laughs> She spills it on him. The waitress uh, accidentally spills it over him, but he's able to quick go into um, super speed. Notice that it's flying in the middle of the air, and quick just get it all in there and put it back on her tray. The waitress like, well, I, I, I must be seeing things. I thought I was going to trip all over you. I just, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm going to go take a break. 
He also uh, used his flash magic trick to go, your shirt is red now. <laughs> red clothes. Red clothes, because it was purple in the first uh, frame. And, and Barry's like, well, I must, be, I must be more tired than I thought. For a second, I thought I slowed down time and put stuff together. And I bet that won't ever happen again. He, How delusional does he have to be? Because just because he spe- sped up doesn't mean that he didn't have time to think during that moment. Like, technically, isn't it more like time slows down for him and speeds up for everybody else? It seems so slow to him. Yeah, so he should have he should have been he should have been able to come to terms with this a while ago. Yeah, he should have. He had the equivalent of like twenty years for somebody just to come to terms with this, and he just didn't want to do it. That is like a fucking tales from the crypt comic, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, yeah. Like um, the guy that gets the superpowers, but he can't like he's going faster than everybody. So Barry's having a shave the next day, just trying to reason out, ration out that all this stuff didn't really happen. Then he goes to meet Iris, and she's out there in her red outfit, and he goes, yeah, your thing is pink now. It changes again. (laughs) You're really blowing my mind right now. You're making this issue way more fun for me. All of a sudden, time slows down again, where he sees this object flying through the air, and it slows down, and he sees the bullet getting close, this bullet that fired getting closer and closer. You could say that it's zooming towards her. Ooh. And it gets, like... Because it's a bullet, and they zoom. It's a bullet. Well, you don't have to be a professor to know that. I wasn't going to laugh at it because it's not really a joke. It's a quarter of an inch away from her face. And Barry's like, ah, I guess I'll save her. And he pushes her out of the way. And I think somebody else behind her, it, it's drawn a little bit odd where I like, I imagine that he just pushed some other innocent bystander like into the glass while he was saving Iris. And a cop comes by and he's like, are you guys okay? The turtle man's around and he's uh, he's <laughs> trying to escape. Man. If someone told me the turtle man anybody is is around and that was just like a stray shot. If I, if I wasn't buried and I didn't see that bullet slowly uh, crashing towards Iris, I wouldn't have believed that cop to begin with. So he finally realizes that he's the fastest man on earth because somebody has to die before you realize that apparently. And he sees like the Flash comic again and he's like, this is my inspiration. And while he's building his suit... And figuring out how to stuff that thing into a ring. He has like an APB monitor on while he's trying to figure that out. I don't know why, but I always thought that him putting his costume into his ring was introduced like a little bit later. And I really like that that concept is from the very beginning. I also like how they try to explain it. Like, you know, like how Navy's planes do with their rafts. Yeah, like in Indiana Jones where they're not falling, they're crashing. Except like... Those packages, like, they end up being big boats, but they still end up being, you know... Quite quite large. They're, they're still a large size. I mean, they're at least bigger than a shoebox. So they're, you know, the equivalent of, like, a couple shoeboxes at the very least. And they somehow stuff this into his... His ring. In, into his ring. Which I do like that it's kind of a Dakota ring. It's got a little thunderball on it that they'll show later. I don't know why he came up with this particular outfit with, like, the Hermes wings on the side of the head. But it is a big onesie. That's kind of different. So he goes to the bank where the turtle man is apparently robbing it, but he finds out that the turtle man hasn't robbed it. He's just done everything except for take all the stuff from it. So he runs after him and he decides that turtle man's probably like still around. So he sees some silhouette of just a random guy with a bag of loot and he runs into it, and he runs into a fucking wall, because apparently he was going to tackle this guy. Yeah, I don't know why some, like, Looney Tunes, Roadrunner bullshit, like, it's just a train and a uh, paint on a wall coming towards him. Why would he fall for that? He's moving fast, but also, to him, he's perceiving time as moving much slower. He had plenty of time to interpret that and know that it was a wall. 
and it comes to be that the Turtle Man basically he isn't necessarily slow. He's just very methodical in his planning, and he likes to trip people up. So they have they they're focusing on the wrong thing. He's doing like a sleight of hand kind of a thing with how he's starting the crime and then coming back to finish it later. He's getting them running around looking for him so that he can just do as he please. I don't know how that makes him a turtle man. That just makes him like a careful like planner and strategist. Like he's being smart. He's not being he doesn't look like a turtle with it on his back. He's not wearing like weird glasses. He's wearing anything. a turtle neck. That's the stupidest reason to give anybody a name. And he has a very beak like nose. So ba- and he spent most of his teenage years in a sewer with a rat. That's the stupidest name for a character, and they don't elaborate on it. So anyways, it. they go down to the sewer, because that's where turtles are in comics, apparently. <laughs> Barry has an idea, this intuition of what's really going on. Like Batman, he doesn't really do detective work. He just kind of knows about it He magically. really just blusters into things, this whole issue. He's just falling into this more than anything. So he sees that the turtle is getting away on a, pond, in a boat. And so he climbs into his own boat. Because he can't. But the turtle is so well at planning, as as we know from nature, the turtles are. Yeah. That that one thing the turtles are known for is their advanced planning, and being slow. So the boat that Wally, uh, sorry, that Barry. I wish it was Wally. <laughs> they're pretty much the same character in a lot of ways. The boat that Barry's trying to catch up to Turtle Man in. <sighs> turtle Man. Uh, the boat uh, that he takes it has a hole in it. Uh, the Turtle Man's put a hole in it so that he would trip him up and he'd have a better chance of getting away. I don't know why he didn't give the Flash the rowboat because the Turtle Man took his took a rowboat instead. No, he the took Flash, a powerboat. No, his, there's a rowboat. It shows him. It says a rowboat for Turtle Man. He was such a great planner and then all of a sudden he decided not to be. But either way, Barry realizes that he can't catch up to him on a boat, but that all of a sudden he's running so fast that he can run on water, which is kind of really blasphemous for the 50s. I do like that there's a panel where he says tricked again and he looks so sad. (laughs) And he realizes that while he's uh, running on water and while he's catching up to... While he's he's running on water and he's caught up to the turtle man, the fact that he's running is pushing the rowboat further and further away. Which doesn't make any sense. It, It makes a little bit of sense, but he's like, I can't catch him if I do that. So instead he runs around... And around and around and use a, a crazy like a cyclone to to catch him, which is kind of stupid because if he just kept running forward, eventually he'd just hit land and grab him then. And when he does that, he just he should have given this guy whiplash. Like he should have died in this cyclone that he creates around the boat because it just goes spinning faster and faster and faster and faster. He took his arms and legs into his body and was able to. Survive. Just because you're a turtle man doesn't mean you have to talk like that. That's how he talks in the comic. We never mentioned it. Does he? Yes. You didn't pay any attention to this. I just thought he was really surprised and stuttering the one time. No, he does it like the whole time. He does. This is a... He even does this. He uh, even does the sloth from uh, Zootopia. Ha. 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 I thought we both watched Zootopia. Uh, it was free on Netflix, and I'm like... Those movies. He catches the guy... There's a bunch of reporters around for some reason because there's always reporters around. Plus, that was around. the best part of that goddamn movie. <laughs> there's always a bunch of reporters around, and he's like, "Well, well, who are you? You you just appeared in a Flash," and he's like, "Yeah, that's it. I'll I'll do copyright infringement. I'm the Flash." And <laughs> it's like you thought he would have like he was going there already, but then somebody he does the whole like I didn't think of a name thing. I didn't think of a name. Oh, there's a mug, and he you, does the whole Kaiser Sose thing. 
Yeah, he does like a spaceballs thing. Like, here's Flash the mug. Here's like Flash the toilet paper. He's he's got a costume. Like, if he spends all that time in a costume, you haven't thought of a name at least a little bit. Uh, especially since you were reading Flash comics before and thought, "Wow, I'm just like the Flash." Like, just just commit to it. And uh, um, so we end with extra, extra. Read all about the Newspaper Flash. Joey. The what fastest are you man in the world. I got some new braces on my legs so I can go back in. I that love- car that hit me never got found. What are you doing in Central City? A lot of drugs. <laughs> and so it ends with Iris looking over and saying how much he'd like to fuck the Flash and Barry, uh, Barry being a total cuck. He's just like, sometimes you might be... I'm sorry, I just slip into alpha male shit right now. So we do the typical Clark Kent, Lois Lane thing where it's like, boy, I'd really like to meet that, the Flash. Maybe, Maybe you, you would. Maybe wink. he's right here. Wink. Why are you winking at me? Are you the Flash? No. <laughs> and he starts like shaking violently because he's scared. It's like, oh, Barry always does that. I will I will say that while he does have this shit-eating grin kind of a line, he at least doesn't have the shit-eating grin to camera. That we've got, I got kind of used to in Silver Age Batman, and his five head got really small. Like it's a normal forehead now. I don't know why that happened either. He's got a hat on, <laughs> and that is showcase number four. How did you, how did you feel about the story? I like the art, and I like which is good because we're gonna be seeing a lot more of this artist coming up. Wink. It was fine. Obviously, <laughs> I know the turtle comes back a number of times. But he's not necessarily uh, a member. A uh, he's not necessarily a huge member of the Rogues, so yeah. For being the Rogues, they're not necessarily the best Rogues gallery either. But what are you talking are, about? The Flash the... is an amazing Rogues gallery. I know those are fighting words. It's like three Rogues gallery people know about. Batman's I like all the, the best one though. I like all the things that this issue introduces. It establishes really quickly. Barry has a job as a scientist. It establishes his powers relatively well fairly quickly um i mean they're, they're building on what people saw a few years ago to an extent maybe we never read any of those <laughs> and <laughs> would well, it be funny people if, know like, how speed works in comic books by this point a little be bit. funny if like he's just like i need to drink that i need to grab some ice and some and some gummy bear snip juice it in. holy shit that was a uh, elongated man wasn't it yeah the, he's, bas- he's basically uh a gummy bear yeah bouncing here and there and everywhere no, Disney's gonna Disney's gonna sue me. Have uh, I talked about how I hate gummy bears? No. Okay, because like gummy bears, it's like because I do the end. When you when you get home, you'd always catch the end of gummy bears. I always it was got like, it. No, I I always caught the end of it. I guess it was just my travel time. And then like Ducktales was on. It's like fuck gummy bears. Ducktales on. It's better anyway. See, that was kind of me. Except I'd want to watch something like Ducktales or Care Bear or uh, Gummy Bears, and instead I see like the tail end of one of those. Because they're ducks. Uh, I, oh, I thought you were going to spin into a yarn on this tail. I saw a tail into one of those. <laughs> but then Tailspin would come on. I'm like, son of a bitch, Tailspin. And it have- I didn't really like Tailspin I that didn't much really, either. I didn't really like Tailspin that much either. But it had such a catchy intro that I would end up begrudgingly watching it and being like, still like watching the rest of it. And then the episode of Chip and Dale where Dress Up with Girls is on and me and my sister would get so excited. <laughs> the Flash is kind of like that to a degree. I'm really excited. I'm trying to bring this back home. I, I was really excited about like putting the ring in the costume and establishing his speed and having these fun things of like the waitress drops a bunch of food and he picks it back up really quick. Like that's great. I just wish it was a different villain that he faces off against. Like Batman gets like what technically I think they end up calling it like the, the chemical syndicate later on of just facing off against those three guys that were. That was the name of the issue. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, there's that. Uh, Superman has him fighting, I guess, a bunch of miscellaneous, like, random people, like this person that really murdered somebody, a wife beater, and and a governor, or, uh, sorry, a polit- some kind of politician or lobbyist. That's what he fought off against. We didn't even finish that. We just, like... Yeah, there's a part that we did not finish that. <laughs> part uh, one, I was like, "Holy shit!" There was a part two. It's just I, I like I like the story. I just wish they picked like a different villain, even if they had to borrow a villain from somebody else. You know, if they if they had to throw the Joker in here or something like that, I'd be like, "Oh, okay, I'm I'm pretty into this. This this is this is pretty great." Or if it was a random gang, I like the random gang more than just the Turtle Man because they define them so poorly. It's like they introduced this concept and they just didn't deliver or finish or, or develop the idea. In any way, shape, or form. No, I gotcha. Let's move on to Adventure Comics number 247, The Legion of Superheroes, where we get Superboy for the first time on this show. Chris, you know how Batman kept taking ideas from Superman, like Mr. Kuspliskit and Bat-Hound and Planet X, and I can't think of anything else, but it's probably been a bunch of other things. Yes, I wrote this intro. <laughs> Don't step on my bits. It's my bits. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, I seem to remember that a couple episodes back. Well, hey, meet Superboy. They want to do more Superman, and what better way to do that than to give us a prequel? Everyone loves a prequel. I mean, Star Wars is built on prequels by now. It's just, what's more, what's better than The Force? Why do you need nine movies when you can just rip off two of them over and over again. All you need is Empire. Yeah. Are you talking about the first one in Empire? Yeah, Star Wars and Empire. Uh, uh, Even uh, Return of the Jedi it. is kind of a ripoff of the first one. Oh. <laughs> I, I like how we've we've mocked the prequels and it's like, wow, really cutting edge stuff, guys. Ooh, were they bad? Yeah, we, have, we haven't people haven't done that for like almost the last twenty years right? by now. Well, the thing is the 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 journey of the hero starts out somewhere. Get out of here, George Lucas. <laughs> That's really good impersonation. Uh, um, the magic of uh, film. <laughs> Get out of my trash cans, George I, Lucas. I actually watched a brief, some documentary type show, and they did an episode on uh, on Kenner, like when they got the Star Wars license and how they developed toys and how quickly they had to develop things. And George Lucas kept it so secret. And how they gave placards so that they could, like, hey, here's uh, some toys and we get them in, so you can pay it us It worked out now. really well. Yeah. But, they basically George Lucas tried to find licensing like six months or three three or six months before release, and people were like we can't do that. And kind of like we can kind of do that. And they made like basic lineup. He was so secretive that they couldn't even release a full line. They could only re- release like six characters or something like that. And then they eventually got access to see the movie, and like access like they saw the movie like everybody else. And they started making ships and adding all these other things in there. So George Lucas at the time was super secretive and kind of a jerk. And he was really sour because they had him dead to rights because of how soon he wanted to release stuff. That they got a really good deal. They got like 90% of any of the money from marketing. And you know how much money George Lucas made from that time frame because he didn't give anything to the actors? Obviously, Kenner had so much more. And then uh, in like 1999, something like that, or or uh, 1997, like when Kenner got bought out by Hasbro, or part of Kenner got bought out by Hasbro, they basically lost that deal because they didn't release Star Wars figures for like a year. And they completely like screwed themselves a little bit. And George Lucas like, ah, ha, ha, my movie cinema magic's back. And he got like a huge, huge new percentage because they had to redo a new deal. 
he went to like 99% power. George Lucas and his flannel shirt got even bigger on him. Like, ah, CGI everywhere. And he kept like just shooting everybody with CGI beams. Yeah, but it was kind of like a, a Wonder Woman uh, Ares kind of transformation where it still had his face, but the rest of him was all right out. God, that was so weird. So, At least cut the mustache off. So Superboy was a way to milk the Superman franchise just a little bit more. They gave him prequel stories so he was going to dances and helping his dad out on the farm and doing stupid adventures with crypto and all these weird things like that hanging out with lex luthor which they reconned in there a little bit which i always thought was kind of weird and they gave us this new thing sort of and that was given to us by i think what otto binder and al patino i want to want to say pacino who also gave us uh legion of superheroes and Legion of Superheroes, I picked this one, like I picked a lot of the, the Silver Age stuff, because it turns into something later on, or it represents what kind of a mess DC Comics can kind of be in terms of story and continuity and stuff like that. And uh, Legion of Superheroes is no exception. There's like what, I think in uh, notes that you are giving me, there's like three different teams or continuities. There's more than that, actually. But At there least. are. There was a, a big recon event by Jeff Johns, imagine that, where... Um, <laughs> He was just like, geez, Dan, I don't really know if I can recon a whole superhero team and get it back to the Silver Age. Oh, wait, I'd love to do all that. And he just That's his favorite thing. It's my favorite thing ever. Yeah, I'll bring, I don't know, I'll bring back, oh, I'll also bring back Superboy and Impulse at the same time while I'm doing that. Sure, why not? I'll just recon everything. From what I, I know and what I keep reading, and I try should actually read it myself, his Teen Titans run and his Just Society runs are supposed to be really, really good. His Flash run is really good, too. I read his... Um, Ironically enough, it probably gets confusing. Oh, the first one, not the second one. Okay. I was, I was talking about the second one where his second Flash run was very, very brief because they end up doing the New 52 stuff, like the re- Flashpoint stuff, like right after that. The Flash, the Rebirth, or Flash Rebirth, which gets confusing if you try to Google that now that there's a DC Rebirth. And I assume that happens with Green Lantern, actually, too. DC should probably line up their publishing stuff a little bit better. They should probably stop having jeff johns do all their events jeff johns seems really good as in a creative director sort of a role as opposed to having his hands directly on like individual stories and events there's no reason to bitch about jeff johns because we really should move on but like he's so good at reconning that like you know final crisis the whole thing was that grant set up all these different returns for characters it was all stuff that dc mandated that he put in there so he used it as an excuse for like to get the characters that they wanted back. So in the pages that Aquaman comes in, he's supposed to be from another dimension. He was going to be stuck here. Barry was supposed to be from another dimension. Hawkgirl and uh, Hawkman are supposed to die in it. All this type of stuff like this. And John's just like, yeah, that's not very popular. I'm just going to do my own thing. So like, you know what? That's one of the few times that I'm, I'm glad he did his own. So that, own so thing. in Blackest Night, that's when they all came back. And that's when certain characters died and stuff like that. I like Jeff Johns as a creative director role. As I think that's where he tends to shine better because Rebirth has been technically ultimately under him. Like if you go high up enough, it's Jeff Johns. Everyone else falls underneath that Rebirth branding and storyline. That's where he does good. So I'll give him credit there. And to go back to the Legion, the, the best thing the Legion ever did was was give Dan Jurgens a little bit of ammunition to make Booster Gold a little bit better of a character. Because he gets that Legion ring, and I think part of uh, Rip Hunter's time sphere is based off of the Legion stuff a little bit, too, at least in art direction later no, on. No, it's probably based off of the old Rip Hunter time explorer stories. In the later issues and stuff, it turns into a glass time sphere, which is much more Legion reminiscent. 
We might see one today. We we might. So bullet points. Jeff Johns, is he the George Lucas of his day? Yes. You decide. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. And That's what we call a segue. This is Adventure Comics number 247, The Legion of Superheroes from March 1958. And it does a very, even though this is technically a Silver Age comic, it does a very Golden Age thing of listing out the story in the front. And I like that it basically lines out, we're the Legion of Superheroes, we're not going to let you in, you failed our, our test, Superboy. You're a huge disappointment and you're going to cry to your dad tonight. For some reason, they have they feel the necessity to instead of just informally tell him no on the cover, they have like the Star Trek like two lights thing, and just like a big double big yes. no, a big no button going on there. So if this is a double negative. Uh, I get in right, and they're like, "No, Superboy, you don't." Also, Superboy, your dick is looking really weird right there. Hips are kind of pointing out for some reason. You're wearing a diaper or something. I posture is really odd. When they say Legion of Superheroes, it's Legion of Super Hyphen Heroes. Hyphens in comics has always been a weird thing to me, and this is no exception. So our issue starts out with another splash page of Superboy, The Adventures of Superman when he was a boy, in case you couldn't figure that out. Features them all busting the shit out of a space plane. It's a rocket from a criminal that's trying to escape in the 30th century. Superboy's just really impressed that these three legionnaires all have one power each, and they're like, they're just as good as one of me. And he's really impressed by that. That takes three of them equal one of him. He's kind of a snot, though. He's like, I got all this power, and look what I can do. Yeah, it's a very odd issue. But when the story starts out proper, it goes between a couple scenes of either Clark or Superboy. Either Clark dressed as Clark or Clark dressed as Superboy. You get into Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. Um, Kill Bill Volume 2 weird speeches right now. And Which that speech doesn't make sense. If you're going to do that, do it with Batman. <laughs> he sees one kid, and, at, at, and while he's dressed as Clark Kent, he's like, hello, Superboy. And he just kind of blows it off. Like, that's weird. I'll just kind of. I'll yeah, you of think I'm Superboy? That's a good one. <laughs> he's got his little nerd glasses on and his hair slicked back. And at home, he's getting changed to go on patrol as Superboy, which I didn't realize that he keeps his cape on underneath his shirt. Oh, so yeah. It's got to look like a big old diaper behind that, him. He's got that whole goddamn outfit underneath his clothes at all times. That's why he's standing weird in the cover. It's because the way his shirt, his cape is tucked into his, like, his pants and his shirt when he's dressed as Clark, it probably does something weird to his bag. Well, that's impossible because he shoves the, um, the cape up his butt when he's just wearing normal stuff. Barry puts his costume in a ring. Superboy just crams it up his hole. Batman kind of does the same thing, though, with like. No, Batman wears a plastic outfit and he keeps that in a pouch. He does. Underneath underneath his second costume. So, while Superboy's walking, flying around, some uh, another nerd in a a suit goes, Oh, hi, Clark Kent. He's like, uh, He doesn't say anything to him. He just flies away. He's just like, "Uh, I'm out of here. Bye. And then he sees. Don't fuck this up for me. I got a good thing going. (laughs) Don't you fuck this up. And then he sees a girl and she's like, Superboy, say hi to my pa Kent for me. So she's confused like this even further. She's using his his superhero name and then identifying somebody else that he knows. And And he's confused because he's like, does this mean I have a girlfriend finally? (laughs) Lana's going to be real mad. And then immediately after, the other two kids. Come up with a girl that just said hi, say hi to your parents for me. And they're like, ha ha, we're just fucking with you for a while. We wanted to make you feel like you were going crazy. We're really uh, uh, superheroes from the future. And they have like name plates on their costumes. Like, My name's Cosmic, Cosmic Boy, Boy, Satin Girl. Uh, what's it, Lightning Lad? And Superboy is like, oh, you're just trying to ask me and you're from the future? Okay. He just believes it in two seconds. Like he doesn't question it at all. If he wasn't invulnerable, he'd be dead by now by some kidnapper or something like that. Oh, you got candy in your van. I guess I'll come right in. 
I guess I should go tell Lex about this, but he's still in the hospital from when I blew all his hair off. <laughs> so the legions say, you know, we were real admirers of you. We want you to be in our superhero club. They don't even call themselves the legion, except they do sometimes. They kind of do some come and don't. Yeah, I wish they just kept to the legions because legion superheroes sounds kind of cool and legitimate. Our superhero club sounds like you're five and you just never changed the name of your club. That's like a cosmic boy has um, a helmet that I don't think he wears. At all? At any point in this, except like, I, on the cover? I think you see him in the atmosphere, and he doesn't even... He's still not wearing it. So they go to their time bubble. Which that looks like Booster's time bubble that I see in like his like 2006 run or whatever. Except as they're going through time, they kept, they take on a lot of clocks. Yeah, I don't know why there's a weird Schoolhouse Rock font behind them as they're traveling through time. Basically, whenever they travel through time, they fart out the year that they just went through. That's 1958, 1960, 1975, 2000. 2100, 2200, 2500. Like, I know they started in 1958 and they can't predict the future, so they can't do some Nostradamus stuff. But I wish they picked like a couple years right before that, kind of like as the tail end, really small. And they picked like, you know, the first, the year that Superman first appeared or the year, you know, it officially became DC Comics. Like, they picked like a couple nods, like, or 9 11, John. It's a little on the nose. Superboy can't melt steel. Wait, I figured it out. So we see the time bubble, and then they're fucking, it's fucking huge. Look at how tiny they are in that thing. It looks like a two-story time bubble when they approach it, but when they zoom out and show them in it, it looks like it's like a five-story glass sphere. It's just, it's very, very odd. So when they get to Smallville of the future in the 30th century, it's just a robot mailman walking around. I like how that was the, how could we tell that this is the future? Robots. Robots, robots. Robot mailmen. Because there's no way that, that the print media and newspapers won't be around in the future, right? You know what? We can't just make it a robot mailman. He's got to be atomic powered. Everything's atomic powered in the future, by the way. I also like, he's like, wow, what a, what a huge city that Smallville's become. And he just goes, you fucking hick. This is like the smallest town in the world. So they show Superboy. I don't know how this isn't like a huge breach of uh, protocol when you can travel through time, letting somebody in the past know what happened. To a degree in the future, they're showing him Smallville the future, and they're flying around. And I like to leave. I like to think that they left their time sphere unattended, and someone's just messing with the timeline right now. Biff goes in and gets an almanac. You see this book? This book tells the future. They're going around. They're seeing. You know, it's a really like as big as uh, Smallville's become. There's only like one flying car and one robot delivering mail. Everyone else is just inside. So they go on a grand tour, and they see that there are satellite tours, which is called the Jules Verne. They try to show him how great the future is. Yeah, like satellite tours. Do we really think that like Jules Verne would be like something people would know back then, though? Well, Star Trek does that kind of thing too, where people are still reading books about like the cl- like classic literature and stuff. So I can buy into it. A and little there's bit. a ship called the Crazy Horse. <laughs> but but they're showing them all these different things in the future, like the tours. And my favorite thing, they show him an ice cream parlor of the future where they have nine flavors, nine whole flavors. Something happened in the 25th century. So Baskin Robbins just got destroyed. They only have nine now, but they're from other planets. So it's totally cool. One of them is it's the whole thing is that it's nine delicious flavors from nine planets. So obviously Mondas is the ninth planet. That joke went right over my head. You should just sandbag the shit out of it. Uh, my favorite part is that they look and they see that Mom pa- Paz Kent, like they uh, kept the house. their house, is still there, but like the Plex says that it's the home of Superboy. It's basically like, oh, well, I never become a Superman. 
No. It's Ooh. like, <laughs> yeah, it is. A, it does go a glimpse of that. And they don't say like Superman's childhood home or anything. Yeah. It's very odd. But I also like that they kept the house, but the Kents eventually lost the farm because it's right next to like a robot factory. Like they can't even identify what they are. It's just robot factory. So they go, to, they also go to school. It's school. And it's such a stupid class. Like, Superboy could do all kinds of things. Look at what this robot Superboy is able to do. He's able to pick up a ton. That doesn't mean you're Superboy. <laughs> also, aren't there? Isn't there a whole fucking legion of superheroes? Yeah. Talking about one guy's superpowers again. It's only Superboy, not Superman. Very good point. And here's the thing: they went back in time to recruit Superboy, but they just had a robot that could do all his stuff anyway. Why bother? You you could just make a robot that has Superman's powers. There's no point to go back in time to get Superboy, except that you're messing with the timeline and you're all irresponsible. So the guy's like, we got Superboy from the past. And the teacher's like, well, great. I can show him how he used his x-ray powers because my robot just died. (laughs) So they use Superboy for a school project. And I don't know why they're letting this secret out. They should not be talking about time traveling willy-nilly like this either. Superboy does the melting this lead or this metal bar that's hanging off of the robot Superboy in a weird way. It's fucking weird. It's like having like a reading light on your forehead, except it's just a big brick of like metal. It's and one of those. It's like those cameras that they put on TV, so like reality TV shows, so you can see the face. Just goes around there. Yeah, it's like a GoPro just kind of yeah. sitting in front of there. When school gets out and they go home, they got their homework, so they're like, "Hey, let's go hang out in our superhero club," which is just a rocket upside down. <laughs> like they don't even get a good like clubhouse. It's just a superhero club, and it's in a tall round like half rocket shaped building and it's probably big enough to fit a car and that's about it so they got the set from uh super friends and they're all sitting around there and just so everybody knows what they are and what they're all about instead of like their nameplates they just have their power and that's what they sit in front of you're right i mean they have their nameplates on the character themselves on the character's costume themselves and then they have the description why describe these things all in all these ways? It just doesn't make any sense. So they're like, you have to prove yourself in order to join us, so let's give you three tasks. They should be kissing Superboy's ass. They want him so bad. They went to all this trouble, but they want to test him. It's just, he's like, I can do this, no problem. They turn on the television trouble finder. The Trademark. TV? <laughs> TT. We got this from old Batman technology that just shows us a bat signal. They find out that an old... It's a statue. An old statue, I was trying to read what it said on it. It just says the law, the unknown spaceman, the first person on Venus, which figures that there should be documentation on that. They have plenty of information about Superboy, but anything else between the 22nd century and the 30th century, just black hole. So they say to him, hey, um, why don't you have Saturn Girl, who got her abilities they got from a, Saturn. They got to beat three of them in uh, various tests. to be one of them. Oh, just one of them? I think so. Otherwise, he'd already be out. And then they start to explain Saturn Girls, Cosmic Boys, and Lightning Lads' powers through these through these trials. And the first one, Saturn Girl, who the scientists of Saturn are experts in telepathy and taught me how to read minds and also cast mental commands everywhere. You're telling me that anybody, as long as they go to Saturn, can do this. Yeah. So yeah, there's so something I'm, special about you. I'm not unique. No, not at all. Not at all. Splicey, splicey. Um, the main bad guy from the ultimates and the incredibles where he's like then when everybody can be a superhero no one will be no one else goes to saturn to get those powers because no one gives a shit yeah saturn's a shithole yeah and also you can't stand on saturn (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's a gas it's a gas giant so it's jupiter 
So on their way to help this ship recover a statute for a museum, Saturn Girl gets underway, and she can fly because she has a rocket pack. They don't have Legion rings right now. And while Superboy is about to head off, he hears and uses his telescopic vision to see that the robot Superboy has gone out of control. Apparently, there's no kill switches or safety protocols in the future that would stop a robot that has the equivalent powers of Superboy, which are infinite and undefined. So he stops him because if he doesn't, then the robot will go nuclear. Everything's nuclear power. Nuclear. There's atomic power everywhere, and nothing's ever in check. The way Superboy stops the robot is that while it's creating havoc and has all these abilities, it's also super dumb. So he tunnels under the school, and the robot follows in the tunnel, and he comes to the professor that has, um, what is it, a gamma? This nuclear ray. Holy shit. <laughs> this nuclear ray, ray will shortcut his motor. Yeah, it also makes this whole area unlivable for about a thousand years. You might want to hold on to your dicks, everybody. <laughs> well, nuclear power just willy-nilly. It's just... It's a very odd time because no one fully understands. Like the the public doesn't really understand what nuclear power can do in a scientific way. Are they are they don't care and they're using it in whatever way they want in terms of stories. Well, I mean, back at this time, everyone was thinking that nuclear power is going to be the future instead of just occasionally used at places. Basically, because Superboy had to stop this robot, Saturn Girl gets there first. Get some weird Loch Ness monster that never existed before. That's not true. It's in the Aquaman story we're going to do later. You're right. <laughs> he uses this. Well, you don't see Loch Ness monster in like normal history. Well, uses her, in history books. She, you've been u- at. she uses her telepathy and gets the monster to lift up the statue and she wins. And when Superboy gets back, they're like, Superboy, you lost and to a girl. You're from the 30th century. What kind of ass backwards thinking is that? And Saturn Girl's like, yeah, you lost to a shut up. <laughs> Women aren't allowed this to talk. This is not for you. You're not allowed to talk. Go fix us dinner on one of the moons. Go to Europa and... With the pirate twins. Yeah. The next emergency that hits their trouble finder TV, which it's only... It looks like it's an HD, actually. So that's that's pretty nice. They see that there's a forest fire nearby. So Cosmic, In California. And Cosmic Lad and Superboy are going to face off against each other. This is Superboy's chance to redeem himself. And Superboy didn't explain what happened before because he didn't want to sound like he's making excuses. So he's like, this is my chance to redeem myself. I can win, get in, no big deal. Be done with it. Uh, I can blow on it with my breath. It's no big deal. I could probably piss on it. It'd be fine. And Superboy, on his way realizes that there is an old satellite crashing towards Earth and you know this Project is Project Vanguard actually. Was that a real That's a real one. I did not realize that was a real one. They thought it'd be up there for thousands of years, but the orbit decayed. So this was probably written before that oh, orbit yeah. decayed. So basically the satellite crashes is gonna crash Earth and Superboy's you know, I'm I'm gonna catch it so it doesn't, you know, hurt a bunch of people. And when Superboy gets it, he's not like, oh, wow, this is an old basketball satellite. I, maybe I should keep this for... Uh, for science. For we mu- should display for, it. For a museum, for a historical purpose. That belongs in a museum. They uh, worship me and have a robot of me. Well, why not have a satellite? That'd be pretty cool. And he's like, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to I'm just gonna throw it into a volcano. Kobe. And he just... He makes it. Throws it in a volcano. And while he's, Superboy's technically saved the day in a very silly way... Cosmic Lad does something much, much worse and endangers the whole planet. His way of putting out the fire is to call down... Because he has this uh, magnetic ability. He's basically Magneto, but 
apparently much worse if you think about it. And he grabs a bunch of sat- a bunch of asteroids that were passing by Earth, which apparently happens all the time. I think it happens more than we think. Like usually, it decays much faster going through atmos- the atmosphere and everything. But he grabs a bunch and he has them hurtling towards Earth at such a speed that it basically should have caused like a whole uh, a cataclysm, a, a, a cataclysmic uh, event, and basically kill off all life on Earth. But he does it apparently really well. He just fills a lake with a bunch of uh, fills a lake so that the lake overflows and puts water out and basically makes the rest of the area and the nearby town uninhabitable. I would assume probably drowns every single animal that hadn't died yet. His solution to stop a forest fire is to make things worse, and it's very, he's very irresponsible. But he plays it off like, "Ha, you lost to me. I'm so great." No, you, that was bad. That was worse. So in case you haven't figured it out. The story just repeats itself three times. Yeah, then the next one's Lightning Lad, and I'll make this one faster. Yeah. A ship has left orbit, and apparently it has a little bit of a fuel leak, and they don't have instruments to detect these things at all. So it's running out of gas really quick, and if they don't turn around, they'll be in trouble in the future. And they, and they can't break through. The radios can't break through because there's some weird atmosphere transmission issue and again this is just really stupid because a ship should have precautions even a sh- even an airplane at that time period should have some kind of precautions where you'd see like okay fuel pressure is dropping i i know this is a problem and superboy's solution he realized that there's a problem and at the same time there's an invisible eagle from neptune <laughs> has escaped and uh it's it could possibly hurt himself or others and superboy sees this so instead of stopping the ship and warning them uh, Lightning Lad goes and does that. Superboy goes to find an eagle. And his solution to find an eagle is to take an iceberg from the middle of the ocean. Hey, global warming didn't fully happen. That's a good sign. Brings it uh, above Smallville until there's enough frost on the eagle. I don't know why I didn't use x-ray vision because you should have been able to like, see, see organs. Or super hearing. Just to, you could hear the bird flapping or something. Yeah. Instead, he does something that is way harder and way worse, and he finds the eagle, and he saves him, while Lightning Lad somehow uses lightning to put up a giant billboard message in the, in the sky that says, Ahoy, Nova Express, your, your fuel tank is leaking, leaking, return for repairs. This is the stupidest task of the three. And when Superboy gets back, they're like, you lost to Lightning Lad, and you lost to a girl, and you lost to me. You're a terrible person. They beta shame him. And he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to tell Dad? And he feels really bad, and he's about ready to cry. And then they go, ha, remember that time we were fucking with you? Fucking with you again. You're in. We, we caused all these other things to happen. So what we can surmise from this is the Legion of Superheroes is a bunch of fucking dicks. They start out picking on him, and they pick on him here. And he shouldn't want to be part of that club. They just keep, they, they're negging him is what they're doing. Yeah. Before they can send him back home, one final thing happens. In the South Pole, the city has lost their, their heat transmitter in the, at the top of the city. Individual buildings don't have it, apparently. And it's a natural, natural disaster event. And instead of the one way, his way with laser vision once, he's like, I can use your inferior ways and be just like you. And they're like, wow, great job. Let's send this fuck face back to Krypton. And he comes home to his dad with a really shitty piece of paper that says Superhero Club. Dad, look at me. I got it. I'm messing with the timeline. And all dad does is sit there and drink. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe I fucking have to deal with this bullshit. Uh, I should have left you bastard in a basket. This is our first introduction to Legion of Superheroes. For anyone ever. Like, this is starts... <laughs> For anyone ever. This it was supposed what... to be a one-shot, which is funny because if you look closely, you can actually see somebody looks like Brainiac 5 in there, too. Second page. Oh, wow. Very bottom of the page. When Hooray for Superman, our new member. What did you think of it? 
It was fine. There was nothing really that was great about their fucking dicks to him the whole time. That's what I kept thinking of. I was like, well, this is silly. This is silly. Those guys are dicks. It's an important issue because it introduces these characters. It makes Superman look like a bitch, too. They really do. I mean, people that like the Legion seem to really like the oh, Legion. Yeah. People love the Legion. And then there's people that really like the Legion, and then there's people that don't care. There's no one that hates the Legion. It's just people that just don't Dark care. Darkseid doesn't like the Legion. Fair point. <laughs> art, art was fine, but it was one of those... It was very much like uh, a couple Superman or Batman issues that we were reading, like uh, when he was helping the space pirates or, or when he was preventing the space pirates a while. That. You hated that one. But it was a bunch of just, this shouldn't happen. This shouldn't be an issue. This shouldn't be an issue. Why are these things problems? You're in the future. It's still important to comic books. It's just, we had to read it. We had to read it. We had to read it. chose it. Now, and it's also a very important part of the Silver Age and DC at large. It is to they be, usually show to up fair. as much as as much crap as I want to give it. Like that, it's true. Up next, uh, we continue Adventure Comics two forty seven with Aquaman's Super Sea Squad, a much better story. <laughs> Arthur Curry first appeared in Morphon Comics number seventy three in nineteen forty one. If that sounds familiar to you. You actually listened to this podcast. We talked about More Fun Comic 73 when we talked about Green Arrow in our last comic, uh, Cavalcade. And I didn't realize that they both appeared in the same issue. And I like that. I planned um, that out. Yeah, I edited that episode. I still don't remember that. It's funny because uh, both of those stories, not a lot of fun. No, and I was almost going to suggest reading another Green Arrow story. And I saw that there was one in Adventure Comics in the same issue that we're reading and talking about right now. And then I read through it real quick, and I was like, well, this sounds like the first story. Like, nothing's changed in 10 years or however long it's been since that story. 41, 15 years. I I just skipped it. I was like, we're going to read Aquaman instead. This is a short story. We we can do it. It'll be fun. Arthur is the king of the the sea, the ocean. What is he technically? Ocean or sea? King of the oceans. All waters. Uh, His mother was of Atlantean royalty, while his father was just a common human, just scum living in a a lighthouse by the sea because he was stupid and poor. Banging a fish because he was so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't she be the other kind of mermaid with the fish part on top and the lady part on the bottom? So, I mean, to be fair, this is actually kind of gross. John's uh, redid this, too, where she just laid her eggs and he jerked off in the ocean and fertilized him, and that's where we got Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman, even though he technically uh, premiered in the Golden Age, he does become a very, I think people recognize him more of a Silver Age character. Uh, he becomes a, a real staple. He helps co-find the Justice League of America during a time where it was... Difficult for fish people to get jobs. Yeah, very much so. I mean, th- this is Wonder Woman, Flash, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter... I'm forgetting like one other one, and then Batman, Superman were there sometimes. It was a very really. You're forgetting the other one, Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern. I don't like Hal Jordan as much as I do all the other Green Lanterns. Oh, Jeff Johns gonna be mad about that. The only one I don't like is John. Why don't you like um, the one I like least is Simon Baz? To be honest, comic books are just expression of uh, free thought and Jeff Johns. Wait a minute, <laughs> George Lucas, get out of here! Boiled oh. <laughs> again when I was just trying to add to you, bam. The character that we see here and the character that we eventually see in the Super Friends for a long time solidifies Aquaman as a joke. And you know what the solution to that is? Extreme 90s. We get mullets. He loses a hand. He becomes way angstier. He solves all the problems with Aquaman before. He actually just is there. He's just angry. He is, but at the same time, do you know how you solve the problems of Aquaman? 
64 game? No, you leave them in the fucking ocean. Everybody's like, oh, he talks fish? That's stupid. Not if you're in the fucking ocean. Oh, he can swim? That's stupid. Not if well, you're in the and, fucking ocean. And even then, when they did, and I actually liked, I only read like the first half of it because I, I, I was getting distracted. I had like, school at the time. When they did New 52 Aquaman, that run, and it was written by Jeff Johns for most of that run, if not the whole thing. I really liked that Aquaman because he was on land and they're like, oh, he's just going to talk to fish. And he's like, yeah, but I have to swim through water all the time. Like, I'm really strong. Like, people forget how strong. It's kind of like a Martian Manor thing, how they talk about it. It's like, people forget because I have to do all these things in water. I'm really strong. I can move things. I have super strength because I can. Uh, you ever hear of ocean pressures? Try shoot me with a gun. I think it was a, an older Justice League. It might have been Grant Morrison's run of uh, Justice League where they talk briefly about, well, he has these telepathy type powers with fish. It also means that he can be sensitive to other types of telepathy. He's more, he might not be like a mind reader, but he's kind of like a Donna Troy kind of scenario where he can get like a sense of things in certain ways. And I like that. They try to legitimize the character a little bit more. Really, Aquaman gets a lot more credit to me, for what limited things I know. To me, he gets a lot more credit Grant Morrison on, despite having a mullet and losing a hand for a while. He gets better. He does, he does lose a hand for a while. You know what I also just realized? Okay, this is going to be some next level shit. So get ready for it. So, Aquaman. Who starred in the Aquaman movie that they made for Entourage? The main character from Entourage, which I've never seen, so I don't know his name. Who was the main characters of Entourage's best friend? Turtle. Who was the bad guy in the first one? Turtle is this man. Like a, is this like a, uh, We're through the looking glass here, people. Wait, how do you get to Kevin Bacon, though? This feels like a six degrees from Kevin Bacon type scenario. Actually, I just see you at home with a bunch of bulletin boards and a lot of red string, just kind of like, how do these all connect? I don't get it. Where's, where's Turtle Man come into this? Where's Turtle Man come into this? JFK and Oswald. Oh, shit, I'm out of thing. I got to go to uh, Hobby Lobby. Just got to remember JFK, Oswald. JFK, Oswald. I think I stole that from somebody. <laughs> I think you did too. But I like the idea of like JFK Oswald, JFK Oswald, KFC, Donna Troy. Um, Oswald the Rabbit. So Aquaman is soon to be a movie this year. They do another kind of revamp on him a little bit with Jason Mimosa. Mimosa feels like a drink. It is a drink. Is is that his real name though? No, I don't think so. I don't think I'm saying his, his last name correctly. I feel really bad. They make him a little more rough around the edges instead of this basic looking white guy that looks like he could be an Aryan quite like, Aryan pure, like, very Aryan looking I've had a lot of Aryans in this episode today Major uh, Superheroes is full of them instead of that he's a little more rough around the edges and actually I'm cool with, with yeah that I worked out fine um, actually my favorite thing in the Justice League movie was the same thing they had in the trailers when I saw that I was like if they don't have this in the movie proper because sometimes they take stuff out and they only put it in trailers if they don't have this in the movie proper I'm going to be real mad this is what's going to make or break the movie when he's in the air and he attacks a parademon and then he starts falling and Cyborg catches him and Cyborg's like the ride's not over yet and Aquaman's like my man and then he launches him through the air again like it's like I the really most action that. movie thing it was like it was the action movie like rough and tumble thing that, that could have been the movie and for me somehow that made the movie for me that, like the I, them having like fun like doing that. this stuff yeah. was kind of what made the movie. They have some other fun moments, like when uh, Superman and uh, and the Flash, I think, are both like on the ground, like man, that really hurt, and they're just laughing, like oh, I wish I was dead again, and stuff like that. Like there was fun moments. In there. I think my favorite scene out of any superhero movie ever is from that movie. We should talk about with the Flash, but it's when Superman's attacking everybody for reasons, and 
the Flash is like going trying to run around him, and all of a sudden, like Superman locks eyes with him and keeps up pace like, with him, and I he looks terrified. You. And I like to think that the only reason that he has such a hard time is because Superman's able to lock eyes with him, and that like just subconsciously like just forced him to like make mistakes and slow down. Well, he's, he the whole thing is that if you really watch it, he blocks everything Superman does. Hey, remember he how never gets hit? Remember how we were supposed to talk about Aquaman? Let's talk about the Flash some more. <laughs> Yeah, I believe in my notes I said, The Flash was recently in the Just League movie, and he was either the best or worst part of it, depending on who you ask. The moments where he's in, in the suit as Flash, I was cool with. The moments where he's supposed to be more Barry, I didn't really... No, oh, I thought that worked out fine. Yeah. Um, also, um, we didn't mention, but there's going to be a Flashpoint movie, where it's basically like him going through um, different dimensions ooh. and times. That's what this Justice League movie should have been, don't you think? Yeah. Because they, they went with the whole like Avengers thing. And, we've um, seen that. We've seen that like a thousand times. So they should have done just like fucking have the CW people show up in there for no reason. You do know stuff what, like that. You know what puts the Justice League movie to shame? Adventure uh, Comics number 247 Aquaman Super Sea Squad. That's an amazing title. This uh, podcast brought to you by Aquafina. Feel the water. And Avengers and Infinity War coming to theaters the same time as the Aquaman movie. Is it really? I think they're pretty close. <laughs> so our story of Aquaman Super Sea Squad opens up with not a full splash page, but a good-sized panel. And it just looks like Aquaman and a squid. I, I know they're in the water, but it looks like they're just dry-humping a sea mine. With a turtle and a um, marlin. Hey, guys, you guys can all be the cucks. I'm going to hump this <laughs> We brought that up so much. I'm going to hump the sea mine. Oh, yeah, but I only recorded half of it. And the, the story proper starts off with Aquaman just riding an octopus? He's standing on him. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. Like, if he was just kind of, like, sitting on his head and the octopus was swimming through the water bag, that's kind of goofy. It's kind of like a weird magic carpet thing, but it's kind of fun. Instead, the octopus is completely horizontal, and he's just standing on his tentacles. He's just he's being kind of a dick. He's surfboarding him. And he comes across this mine, and he's like, man, this mine looks really dangerous. I better inform the proper authorities. You are king of the ocean. You are the authority. I know. I'm not entirely sure if he's king of the ocean yet, though. He's Aquaman. You're in the water. You have some kind of standing here. And meanwhile, he comes across a U.S. Navy boat, and he gets a message from him like, you know, there's a, a huge projectile, Aquaman. We need your help. You need to come here right away for a briefing. So he goes from the ship that he was on to another ship, and they debrief him like, hey, you have three hours we really messed up. We shot this nuclear device. We were going to shoot this nuclear warhead basically into space. We messed up. It's in your water now. You are going to have to help us. I'm going to have to help you. You want to explain this to me at all? Nothing. He doesn't. John just did a perfect um, Jill Pesci and push. You're going to have me do it? He's doing the hand and everything. It was great. <laughs> That's the thing, though. A little it's, bit. You should be mad about this. And he's just like, U.S. government. Yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. Sure. So what happens if I don't do this? Oh, all the oceans will be irradiated. He should be willing to help, but he should not be so cool with it. We were going to give this to North Korea, but we dropped it. Sorry. So he takes a bunch of octopi. 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 I got the plural right on that one. And they start to travel from where the mine landed to the proper area, Navy boat, island, whatever, the, the proper place that has the equipment they would need to dismantle this nuclear device. Because they have three hours before it would, before it basically go off. Let's just uh, put all our cards on the table here. 
basically this entire story is whoever wrote it was going, I know this one fact about an, an animal. Let's have them carry it for a little while. It's so dumb. And here's the thing. That ship that they have to get to or that base that they have to get to that has the equipment to dismantle the bomb, they don't get on a ship and try to move towards Aquaman so they can cut some of that time down a little bit. They're like, oh, no, Aquaman's going to have to make the whole trip alone. So no one's helping him at all except the aquatic sea life. And there's a bunch of different variations, like you said. They're like, hey, Aquaman, you got to be careful with this nuclear device. Okay, I'm going to tie it to a bunch of whales. I'm going to paint it green and have a sea monster uh, take it some of the way. I'm going to have a bunch of uh, swordfish, you know, basically stab all around it. Basically being My favorite is the lobsters that pick it up over a cliff. He does all these things like, hey, be careful with this nuclear device. And he does everything but be careful with a nuclear device. And then he is almost there to the base, but he's running out of time. And this bomb is very delicate. So what he does, he finds an old Spanish galleon, uses a catapult that's on the ship, and launches it to the other ship. And everyone's like, holy shit. Aquaman arrived, but he's going to blow us all up. And just in time, a whale like hits it with water, which is roughing it up even more. Basically, it should explode. And he gently uses water to lower the bomb onto the ship. It's such a bullshit thing. And instead of Aquaman getting yelled at, it's just like, okay, the end, bye. Even the octopus waves. I picked this story because it was an introduction to Aquaman, and it was brief. And it was also an Atomic Age story, which a lot of the stories are around this time, this time frame in the Silver Age. And it's also an example of why people didn't take Aquaman very seriously for a very long time. I mean, he still gets made fun of as a character. These things like this didn't help it. And despite as much crap as I'm giving it, for six pages, it was a fun story. I liked it. There's a lot. It it moves. The pacing's what it's got going for it. It's hard not to have good pacing when you're endangering everybody. (laughs) How'd you feel about it? Like, how'd you feel about how they deal with Aquaman and the story overall and... He's kind of a putz. He just goes from one thing to another. I'm taking Green Arrow more seriously at this point. And, oh, we got a, oh, no, how am I going to stop this one obstacle? I guess I'll do this crazy thing. But we never get like, oh, I made it look like an egg so that this uh, sea monster will grab it. How'd you get it from the sea monster then? We go into big, like, long details about how the sea monster was like a thing. They only have six pages, so they do a lot of cutaway stuff that I was complaining about with Batman things. Like, you can have a couple panels of them like trying to dismantle this bomb in time. Like, give me a couple shots of like the clock running out. You know, like a, like a countdown: five, four, three, two. And once it hits one, the clock stops, and they manage to give me a little bit of suspense because they have this nuclear device. And then after they say "be careful with it," in between them saying "be careful with it" and it landing on the ship, there's no pressure. There's no stress about having this device in between. There's a little bit of like, hey, we have a time frame, but it's not taken nearly as seriously as it is between those two moments. We keep having a bunch of animals batted around. It's the same. It's kind of like Legion of Superhero stuff in the sense that people are making it worse. Like They're making bad choices, which is a very comic book thing to do. So let's move on to the planet and the pendulum. Adam Strange's uh, first issue from Showcase number 17. Hugo's boy makes him proud. Showcase number 17 from November 1958 is Adam Strange's first issue that he appears in, in the story of Secret of the Eternal City, which we skipped. And we skipped it because he doesn't get that rad outfit. So that's why we went with Planet of the Pendulum. The Pendulum and the Planet. That ran outfit? 
I ran so far away. Couldn't get a ran. So I read um, the first one as well. And he so shows that. up, saves the day, and leaves. In the second story that we'll talk about, there's a lot more cool things. He gets called a witch. He gets a cool outfit. It's more sci-fi fun than I think his introductory story. So that's why I picked that one. Uh, so let's go over the things that you actually need to know a little bit before we talk any further. Uh, Strange is an archaeologist that is teleported from Earth to the planet Ron with what's known as a Zeta Beam. Uh, actually, uh, the Zeta Beam was supposed to be a way to communicate with different worlds. It was just a communication signal. And somehow space radiation, again, radiation playing a part in a lot of things, somehow has transformed it in its voyage through space, effectively making a teleportation beam. The creator, uh, Sardoth, and his daughter, Alana, figure out that's what happened. The beam's altered. It's now a teleportation beam. And the beam is always changing locations uh, around Earth from where it's going to eventually land up the next time they fire the, the signal off. The beam, while it transports Adam Strange to, to Ron, only lasts for a short period of time. So it always sends him back. What they don't talk about is it takes like four and a half years to send off. So every time he gets back, it should be like, well, not necessarily every time, but at least the first few times he gets back, time has, should have moved five years. Like By the time he eventually meets the people he's known for a while, they should end up being like 90. And they never talk about that. They might. Adam Strange is one of those that gets a bunch of, like, since he's not on Earth as Adam Strange. They just make stuff up. No, he kind of gets reboots every once in a while. Like, um, Alan Moore did this thing where he was seen as a this brute that just came and saved them. And since uh, everyone on Rand was, like, sterile, they saw him as a potential, like... Um, Way to snoo, keep snoo. The, race, the race going. Yeah, yeah. he was going to commit snoo snoo with everybody. And then there was the grim, dark uh, Adam Strange of two worlds where like, he was finally going to just stay on Ron. It was like a way to make it stick. Yeah, so basically like he just had this one night stand with this woman beforehand. So it's like, I'm never going to be on Earth again. I can fuck all these ladies. And then like, what was it, Arliana? Alana. Alana. Uh, she dies at the end with like and leaves him a kid and he's like, oh, oh no, my hubris. I had all this time in the world to read. <laughs> I had all this time in the world to have sex with her and now she's dead. Uh, and and the reason and then that got recon too, which is probably for the best. A lot of these stories do recon things for a lot of these characters. Again, well, mainly kind of why I pick some of these characters. Mainly with him, it's just because like he was a member of the Justice League. And somebody actually wrote in, like, well, he's a, they actually never would know about his great adventures. So they wrote down, like, Justice League meets Adam Strange so he could be a member of the Justice League. But he tends to just kind of get forgot. I don't think the Zeta beams actually do that anymore now. Zeta. Whatever. They changed that back and forth. And they had, last time Adam Strange was around was in a New 52 run of Justice League United. It was kind of like a JLI sort of a thing. It was just, it was an offshoot team in general, but I picked Adam Strange because it gave us a little bit of contrast in the Silver Age doors. It gave us like, you know, more of a sci-fi, a sci-fi kind of spin on it, a little harder sci-fi mm-hmm. than uh, some of the other stories that we read. And I also picked this one because of Grant Morrison and New 52 stuff. Or not New 52, just the, the 52 storyline kind of used him a little bit. I like how... Yeah, he lost his fucking eyes. Grant Morrison has this ability to really mess with characters. And when we talk in the next episode, we're going to continue our character cavalcade. Uh, we'll talk about Animal Man, and I'll talk way more about how Grant Morrison likes to mess with characters. And that's, and that's kind of why I picked him, is because of uh, 52 and how writers that I were familiar with had used him. So without further ado, let's go see The Planet and the Pendulum.
This is the cover that I like most out of the uh, the four stories that we were talking about. It's Adam Strange in a very classic outfit, but with a space helmet, like glass dome bubble thing that you don't see him wear much after this, I don't think. He's just using a hand like blaster against a spaceship that has a very disproportionate swinging pendulum blade to cut through a city shield around the planet. It's really cool looking cover, and I really, I really like that. It's goofy as you know, a little baby ship having a giant blade running through spaces. That's partially why I picked this Adam Strange story was based on this cover. This flash page is pretty much the same thing, except instead it has the ship also shooting rockets at him, and he is inches away from them. I like that too. They actually redrew it and they added some more artwork on it, and I, I appreciate that. It's still really goofy that he's fighting off this huge threat with just one little laser gun. So in a boat in, what is it, Singapore? He finds out that the ZD beam is going to hit Earth, and so he jumps into it. And he's transported into the land that time forgot. And all of a sudden, he's around basically a, a bunch of savages. And they're like, ah, oh, it's a sorcerer. It's a wizard. Get him. Get him. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm Adam Strange. I'm no sorcerer. And they're like, just what a sorcerer would say. Sorcerers are notorious liars. Ooh, you got me. If I'm a sorcerer, how could I use my gun to break that pot? Ooh, that's just what a sorcerer would say. And so he gets thrown into the, what was it? Uh, this is something really stupid. It's it was the the, uh, the rainbow of doom. Doom of the, the rainbows. The, ta- 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 the tower, uh, tower of the rainbow doom, doom of the doom rainbow. They say it like three different ways in the issue. It's basically a rainbow room in a tower. <laughs> when they brought in front of the leader, he sends them there. They lock him up in the room, and all of a sudden, he is like having a really bad acid trip. And he feels out of place, and he feels like he's being pulled apart. He and gets then, sent to a uh, Star Trek the Animated Series episode. Very much so. Like, all of a sudden, he is somewhere completely different alien to him. And he sees a ship that he recognizes the last time he was near Ron in his last adventure. And when he gets in there, he sees uh, Sardoth, the original professor that he met in the last issue. And he's knocked unconscious, and he, ex- and he meets Alana again. And they explain that... They- Alana's cute as shit, by the way. Let's go on. The way they drew Catwoman, like we were reading, like the last time we talked about Catwoman, she was slinging cats at Batman and Robin. The way they drew her and the way they've drawn Kathy Kane in, like, even issues in the 60s, they don't draw her like the artist draws Alana in this. Like, and they're different artists anyway, but they really put some work into her. She's very pretty. You could see why he'd want to leave Earth for. John, this is a crazy thing we're talking about. There's no way she'd ever leave Adam. I'm also in a committed relationship, and you have your cat. <laughs> Fuck you. So anyways... Um... They, they talk about how... It's a really convoluted story. So basically, the blueprints they had from the last story and all this technology, they've developed it. They've gone to New Ranagar, which was a colony that Ron had thousands of years ago that they have now found again, and that they now have... Alien invaders that are trying to threaten New Thanagar or Ranagar, they want to take all their their uh, water and bodily fluids and all this other stuff. They just have alien invaders. So Adam Strange decides to help out and stop this by donning a odd space outfit that the ship had. This is his new costume. This is what he wears today. In, yeah. Pretty much. I mean, they, they change miscellaneous things, but the core concept is very much the same. They don't change things drastically. It's just a red and mostly red and white suit 
with a rocket pack and a weird like rocketeer kind of helmet and the in terms of it has having that like guider fin on top of it it's the most 50s sci-fi thing we've seen all day this is him basically breathing with space goggles i almost made a space goggles joke earlier in the other stories i noticed that adam strange's job is to stop these alien invaders from attacking this colony they literally as goofy as it looked in the cover, and as Goofy's looking at the splash page, we now see another panel of a medium-sized kind of ship with a giant blade that will just cut through their city protection, this big sphere bubble over top of the city. It's still so cartoonish. It's like when it's you great. watch those weird anime um, with the big mech suits, and they all have like guns and shit, but they also have like laser swords and shit. You're making fun of me because I've been starting to build like robot model kits. But yeah, it's it's that blade is very reminiscent of a lot of sci-fi things that just it takes a concept and sometimes it's just very silly. But it's so silly that it's really fun. And I and I think that's why I like it. It's just it's still fun. Either way, Adam Strange is attacking this ship that's now threatening the city. They want to take over the resources just like those random aliens on Planet X. Because the second that they cut through the dome, then the ship will turn into um into mega made mode and it's vacuum cleaner will suck all the air out. <laughs> and while he's attacking that pendulum on the ship, the aliens are from their ship are attacking with a bunch of rockets. So he's doing a lot of like moves and sick flips and he's dodging the way out of all of this stuff to a guy that's never had any experience. He, he might've been in world war two, depending on, on when this comic most likely yeah. very uh, good chance or Korea something, but still, that kind of stuff, I would assume, I don't have anything to compare it to, I assume that kind of stuff is very different from strapping on a rocket pack and fighting an alien ship on your own in outer space with a with a ray gun. But he goes at Just it. Just shooting he, a cable. He goes at it, he prevails, he shoots the blade off the pendulum, it bounces very comically off the planet, the aliens go running, and that's the end of the issue. Adam's like, I don't want to leave you, Alana. And then he's back on Earth, and now he has a rocket pack. So that's pretty great. <laughs> but I, I picked this story more than the Emerald City one because this is the one that gives me the outfit, and that's that's what I wanted to see. Also, I, the I Emerald City one. one had a lot of, as you know, things over here, these guys came, that stuff happened. Yeah, I didn't want to deal with that. Instead, I and I really like the bit about uh, he's a sorcerer. Like I'm no sorcerer. Ooh, just like a sorcerer would say. Sorcerer's lie. Ooh, look at that son of a bitch. You're tricky, kind of a dick, aren't you? How did you like it though, overall? Oh, I, I, was, was, I was a huge fan of it. I read these both, and I read them very easily. I had no problems going through it. They were very wordy, but it was. But I was. I still didn't have a problem, like you said. It was. It flowed nice. It's kind of like after reading the Flash story, I went out and I read like the, the couple of Flash trades that I have, and then I ordered the... Yeah, you blame me for getting into some Mark <laughs> Wade stuff, I think, right? The Mark Wade, you know, Grant Morrison run on the Flash that I was looking at. So, yeah, I kind of wanted to read more Adam Strange, but I won't. I wish he got... Because I don't, I don't think he ever did. I wish he got a little bit of like a Vertigo kind of a treatment. or uh, I, I kind of described his Vertigo treatment in all honesty. Did he have an actual? He didn't have like a run, but he had like a one sh- a couple shot. Okay, that's what I think. I, was, I, I, I want to see like a Vertigo, like full run, not like a one shot, but like a full run. Even uh, DC's got a line now called Young Animal. That's where they're showing the newer Doom Patrol. Dave Carson has a cybernetic eye. Uh, some of that weird 60s kind of stuff they kind of brought back in, in, uh, in that line. 
and I wish I could see like an Adam Strange version of that. I think he'd do well in that kind of weird Elseworlds 60 sci-fi treatment that they that, that they kind of give it. Overall, I'm I'm very happy with this one. Uh, Flash is fine. Turtle, uh, the, the turtle, the villain is dumb. Superboy, the Legion, they're a bunch of jerks. All um, of them. Aquaman and Super C Squad are basically just him bossing a bunch of people around, not taking a, a nuclear war seriously. But Adam Strange, like, he's thrown into a lot of stuff, but he's like, I gotta do this. Okay, I'm. And he, and he fights the bad guys. Yeah, he, does he wins. It. Like, he's not super powered. He's not trained like Batman. And he's not like, a doctor like his brother. <laughs> Never good enough for you, Mom. I'm sorry I'm not a lawyer like Larry. Professor Strange is mad at him for not following in his brother's footsteps. But I, it, I liked it. And I in the back of my mind, I I remember reading or hearing about stuff. You know, eventually he does have a family with Alana. And he does turn in this kind of this family man guy to at least a, a degree. And the older I get, the more, like, the more I I pick up on identify. those things, and the more I identify with those sorts of things, where I'm like, that's got a lot of heart to it. Like that's the heart kind of stuff I care about, as opposed to oh, the single guy on it's uh, on his own and he has a magic ring and he insults his mechanic all the time. Like this is, throws racial slurs at him. Hu- human human engagement is more identifiable as opposed to these grand adventures. I, I, I'm picking up more on that as opposed to the the overall story. I'm going for more character development than than. Than anything else, and I think that might be why, like, uh, just the international stuff. And when we talk about like the '80s and '90s stuff, I'm definitely talking about international. I think that's kind of why it's I like. Pity you don't get to choose the content. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we move on to some other comics? What's next issue, John? That you chose all by yourself. Coming next episode, the continuation of Character Cavalcade Part 2. We have Animal Man in Strange Adventures number 180, Supergirl in Action Comics number 252, Sinestro and Green Lantern in Green Lantern number 7, big surprise there, and the Doom Patrol in My Greatest Adventure number 82. So Chris, how can uh, listeners find us? You can find us at Twitter. We are at SACBatPod. You can also use the hashtag SACBatPod or the hashtag RobinsRegulars. That's all of you. Or email us at sac.alfred at gmail.com. We'd love to hear suggestions for episodes or see artwork that you've made of your favorite heroes. SAC episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find a full list on our website listed in the description. So, for Superstitious and Cowardly, I've been Chris Winnia. And I'm John Pfeiffer. Have a nice day, and we'll see you out there. John, I'm sorry. You're going to have to edit this whole thing. And you're going to go through so much of this.